The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, I'm Chad Young. You can find me on Twitter at Chad Young. I was found by at least one of you, suggested I need a pop cover for my mic. I've got that up now. Hopefully it sounds better. With that, let's get into the news from Sunday. Ronald Acuna Jr. scratched Sunday with lower body soreness, but was available off the bench. He did pinch hit, went 0 for 1, was back in right field for the end of the game. And so no real reason to think he'll miss much time, if any. Tim Anderson, on the other hand, will miss one more game. He began serving a two-game suspension Sunday, which means he will be out again Tuesday when the Sox face the Royals. If you gotta miss a couple, miss the Rangers and the Royals. The Yanks activated Frankie Montas off the bereavement list for his first start in pinstripes, and I can't imagine this is what they thought they were getting. Six runs on five hits and three walks with two strikeouts and three innings pitched. Montas is usually pretty even four-seamer splitter at the top of his repertoire, 27% on the former, 26% on the latter. Sunday, 31% on the four-seamer, it's a little high, but then 25% sinkers, 17% sliders, and just 16% splitters. That split is the key to his success, and it's possible he just didn't have it Sunday. It should be back next time out, though. For what it's worth, Adam Wainwright was just as bad opposite him, but the Yankees' pen was worse than the Cards' pen, so they took the loss. The Giants got Tyro Estrada back from the IL and optioned your mean Mercedes to make room. With more bats coming soon, including Evan Longoria, Mercedes is probably gone for a while. Estrada, meanwhile, stepped right back in at second base, going 1-4 for four with a couple RBIs and his 10th home run in the year. Looks like he'll pick up right where he left off. Estrada and the Giants faced Adrian Martinez, who the A's called up to start today. He went four and a third, allowing two runs on four hits, striking out five and walking one, and 14 whiffs on 38 swings, and a 35% CSW. Martinez hasn't really been good in AAA or MLB this year, but this start was legitimately interesting as he mixed his pitches well and had success on three different pitches. He would need to do this again, maybe a few more times again before I act, but not bad. The Nats claimed Alex Call off waivers from the Guardians. Call was having an excellent season in AAA, and at 27, if the Nats are claiming him, you'd think they intend to give him a real look. It's a smart pickup for them. They have nothing to lose. Call is a guy with 15-15 type potential, and if he does get time, could be worth the look in deeper leagues. The White Sox recalled Lennon Sosa from the minors, though he didn't play Sunday. Sosa's had a strong minor league season, though his AAA numbers are not nearly as good as what he was doing in AA. 
Unclear what his role will be, but he's worth watching in deeper leagues. Nothing else to do now. It's only if he gets a regular job that he's worth looking at closer. After dislocating his shoulder Saturday, Tim Meza was placed on the IL Sunday. He's been a key cog in that Jays bullpen. Trent Thornton called up to replace him. Jake McGee was designated for assignment by the Brewers as the reliever has now worked through two orgs this year. He'll likely get another shot. Even aging relievers find places to go, but his fantasy value is long gone. Mickey Moniak seemed to be getting things going after joining the Angels, but was hit by a pitch on his hand on Saturday. It sounds like he's going to hit the IL as well. He's got a broken finger and will need some time off. Neither Moniak nor the Angels can catch a break this year. Lots of action around Atlanta. First, catcher Travis Arnaud is in a walking boot despite x-rays coming back negative. They say he's day-to-day, but they do need another catcher around while he recovers, so they optioned Guillermo Heredia to the minors and called up Chadwick Trump. The big fantasy impact here is not from either of those, but the fact that Atlanta will be using William Contreras as their primary catcher for at least a few days. Sure enough, he started Sunday, although he was 0-3 for with three strikeouts, but we'll talk more about who started against Atlanta soon. Meanwhile, the team also needed another bullpen arm and decided to option the struggling Ian Anderson to AAA and call up Waskar Yanoa to help out of the pen. Anderson will be back with the team on August 13th. He's going to be the 27th man and start a doubleheader game against the Marlins. Worth noting, he's been better of late. Despite a blowup versus the Mets in his last start, he has a 3.35 FIP over his last six. His FIP is under four, dating back to mid-May. Given the timeline, he may not even make a start in AAA, but don't lose sight of him for the stretch run. Bad news for Alex Kirilov, who will undergo season-ending wrist surgery. Since coming back from injury in mid-June, he has a 102 WRC+, but lacked power, just a 409 slugging and three home runs over his 124 plate appearances. However, he had his K rate down under 20% and his StatCast data wasn't bad. If the price is right, he's an interesting buy low in keepers and dynasties. A non-update on Michael Brantley, who's still not swinging a bat and taking things day by day. His right shoulder has kept him sidelined since June. According to Chandler Rome, the Astros beat writer for the Houston Chronicle, Astros GM James Click suggested the team has to take a, quote, honest look at whether Brantley can return this year. Not a great sign for anyone waiting on Brantley to help their team. A trio of upcoming returns. The Dodgers expect to activate Justin Turner on Tuesday, which would likely push Miguel Vargas back to the minors. Vargas played in just two games, making eight total plate appearances, so we've learned basically nothing about him. But Turner was hitting well before getting hurt, so that job is his. The Guardians will get back Aaron Savali on Wednesday. He should start against Detroit. Before getting hurt, Savali had a 3.24 FIP in June and July after missing a month. That's despite really rough starts against Boston and New York. Against Detroit, he's a good streaming option and maybe a little more. Justin Dunn will be recalled from the IL, make his Reds debut against the Mets today. Dunn, of course, was in the Mets organization. He was dealt to Seattle in the Kelnick deal and then went from Seattle to Cincinnati in the Winker deal, though at this point, those are really the Edwin Diaz and Eugenio Suarez deals, I guess. Dunn has been a walk machine in AAA. I want no part of him versus the Mets. One not yet planned return, Bob Melvin said that the Padres hope to have Fernando Tatis Jr. back in the majors by mid-August-ish. That's like a week away. Couple bullpen notes. Tyler McGill will be working out of the pen when he returns for the Mets this year, but the team still plans to stretch him out to start next year. Just something to keep in mind for this year and the offseason. And Drew Pomerantz started a rehab assignment, could be back soon with the Padres. He could have value in holds leagues or formats that don't care about reliever roles, but saves not coming for him. Finally, the Giants claimed Steel Walker off waivers from Texas, which is only relevant because this is my only chance in life to make a Steel Walker Texas Ranger joke. And he isn't even a Texas Ranger anymore. 
on the field on Sunday. Cody Bellinger, three for three, pair of home runs, two runs, two RBIs. He does this on occasion, reminds you why you wanted to draft him so early, but I am not buying in. I'm not buying in. I will not buy in. I'm just going to keep telling myself that because he's going to make me want to buy back in. Brian Reynolds continues to be an underrated player in my mind. He was two for four with a walk, an RBI, his fifth stolen base, a couple of runs on Sunday. So missed time is going to result in off-brand numbers for him this year, but he's already a guy I think I'll be targeting in 2023 drafts. Speaking of underrated, Mike Ostremski was two for four with a couple home runs Sunday. He is just 26% rostered on Yahoo, 65% on CBS is a little better. And while he isn't an elite player, he should be more widely rostered than either of those numbers. If you haven't gotten excited about Derek Hall's power, maybe you should. Two for four with a walk and two solo home runs, scored three runs on Sunday. He got some help from Bryson Stott. He was two for five with a couple runs and three RBIs. Stott has been excellent for about a month now, and it's mostly based off cutting his K rate in half. He is a very talented bat, and I'm very intrigued. Isaac Paredes had gone ice cold for a bit there, going almost a month with a 42 WRC+. He now is 5 for 12 with a double, a run, and an RBI in his last three games. There's some real special skills there. When that doesn't always translate to success, he has shown that he can hit. I am still holding, and I'm going to start getting him back in the lineups. MJ Melendez drove in six on Sunday, including a three-run home run. He was two for three and scored a run as well. I know the Royals' offense isn't good, but with him, Witt, Perez, and hopefully some production from Prado and Pascantino down the stretch, they may not be an easy matchup for pitchers. For the Yankees and Cards scoring 21 runs, I couldn't decide who to talk about. So DJ LeMahieu had a home run and two doubles. Glaber Torres and Aaron Hicks had three hits apiece. Nolan Arenado homered and doubled and had three hits. Paul DeJong had a home run, three runs, and four RBIs. Like four other guys had good days. Just go check out that box score. Other home runs around the game. Brian Hayes hit his sixth. Jorge Mateo was 11th. Nick Maton his second. Reese Hoskins his 24th. Rafael Devers also got his 24th. Tommy Pham hit number 12, Willie Adamas up to 22, Keston Hira has 10, Michael Papierski, a Reds catcher who I'm sure you were all familiar with, hit his first, Jacob Stallings hit his third, and Peyton Burdick smacked his first career MLB home run, suspect we'll see more of that from him, Andrew Vaughn hit his 11th, Nathaniel Lowe is 16th, Seth Brown, who is going to be on a bunch of my rosters soon I hope, hit 17th. Christian Walker got his 26th, Emmanuel Rivera his 7th, Jesse Winker's 11th was of the Grand Slam variety, Dansby Swanson got his 16th. As for stolen bases, Andreas Jimenez got number 12, Cesar Hernandez stole his 5th, he also went 3 for 4. Charles LeBlanc stole his 1st, he was playing 2nd base for the Marlins, had a 3-hit day. Austin Slater got his 9th, Skybolt his 4th, and Trey Turner swiped his 19th. A lot of pitching worth talking about. And the only place to start is with Jacob deGrom, five and two thirds. He's still just working back, so maybe not fully stretched out. Gave up just one hit and one walk. Unfortunately, that hit was a home run. He ended up giving up two earned runs, but he had 12 strikeouts. He at one point had gotten 18 swings on a slider, and they were all swings and misses. He ended up with 18 whiffs on 20 swings in a slider. That is just insane, otherworldly, nutso stuff. And yeah, deGrom is deGrom. It's like, you want to say Ace is going to Ace, but DeGrom is going to DeGrom is a whole other level. Tristan McKenzie spun some magic in Cleveland Sunday, completely locking down the Astros for eight innings, striking out eight, walking one, and allowing no runs on two hits and a walk. He just needed 91 pitches to cruise through eight. He likely could have finished this off, but with an off day today, the guards opted to use closer Emmanuel Classe. He stepped right in, striking out two for his 24th save. 
McKenzie can be brilliant. He certainly was this day, and he's a must-start for me at this point. Christian Javier was a hard luck loser as he had to face McKenzie, made a mistake to guards catcher Luke Maley, and that was enough. One run on six hits, four strikeouts, no walks. Also a must start despite the loss today. Corbin Burns, not quite McKenzie, but a little better than Javier. He allowed just one run on two hits over six innings, struck out nine and walked two. Burns just one of the best. Bryce Wilson had a strong showing in Baltimore, holding the O's to one run on four hits with five strikeouts and no walks but I'm not going to bet on that happening again for him. Aaron Nola sort of underwhelming given he got to face the Nats. Six innings pitch, one run, five hits, two walks, five strikeouts. You like all of that. There's a win and a quality start. The ERA is great, but you really would hope for a better whip and more strikeouts given the matchup. Drew Rasmussen only threw three innings Sunday, but that was planned, no injury or anything like that. Still crazy as he was perfect through three with a couple of strikeouts and had thrown just 33 pitches, but When the Rays have a plan, they stick to the plan, and it worked out fine for them anyway. Matt Manning held the Rays scoreless for seven innings. His bullpen did not help him, by the way. He gave up four hits and three walks while striking out seven. He had 15 whiffs and a 31% CSW. In today's SB Roundup, Nick Pollock says he's out on Manning, and well, I think I am too. I just don't trust him, at least not yet. Cutter Crawford's been really good as a starter. I was starting to think about buying, but five innings, five hits, five runs, two walks, and just four strikeouts. That is not great. Cutter's cutter was cutting, and it is a good pitch, but he has the Yankees next, and I'm on hold. Kevin Gaussman managed just five strikeouts in six innings, but gave up six hits and zero runs and didn't walk a hitter, so it all worked out swimmingly for him. Opposite him, Chris Archer went five innings pitch, managed four strikeouts despite one whiff. One whiff. Seriously, one whiff. Crazy. He didn't walk a hitter, gave up just two runs and five hits. I still wouldn't consider him versus Toronto, despite the success he had. And honestly, there are very few teams I would consider him against, just a few that I'd maybe stream him. Graham Ashcraft brought his ERA back under four with 5.2 innings of one-run ball, but he wasn't really super impressive. Three strikeouts, two walks, four hits. Given he one of those hits was a home run, he was really lucky to escape with such little damage. Jesus Lazardo was great Sunday. Seven innings of scoreless one-hit ball, six strikeouts and a walk. But if you read the SP Roundup today, and you should, you'll see Nick featured him and honestly wasn't that excited. I wouldn't be buying aggressively after reading Nick's piece, but man, it's hard to ignore those results. Lucas Giolito got a win, but only lasted five innings, giving up one run despite six hits and three walks. He struck out five. Just wasn't that good, to be honest. And while Giolito is fine, it's sort of getting tough to imagine him being more than fine. Logan Webb was solid for the Giants, but his velocity was down. And while his next start is a no-brainer, you will want to keep an eye on that. He went seven Sunday, allowing two runs and four hits with five strikeouts. Three walks a little concerning, but again, that velo is the thing to watch. Zach Davies looked like a good streaming option Sunday, and he mostly was. He shut out the Rockies on four hits and two walks over five innings pitch, but had only three strikeouts. Didn't go long enough for the quality start and didn't get a win. No interest in starting him except in matchups that are this soft. Marco Gonzalez managed a surprising 7Ks and 6 innings pitched, giving up 3 runs on 8 hits and a walk. Not something I want to buy on, but maybe it makes him a more attractive streamer than I thought. Spencer Strider gave up 4 runs on 6 hits and a couple walks in just 2 and 2 thirds. He did get 5 of his 8 outs via the strikeout. I have some concerns about Strider long term as a 2-pitch guy, but this start is not a reason to back off him, and I'm not doing that yet. The Mets are just good. In the Sunday night game, you Darvish did his thing, even against the Dodgers. Six innings pitch, two runs and seven hits, five strikeouts. But Tyler Anderson went seven shutout versus the Padres. Just three strikeouts, 
but just one walk and two hits. Just unreal what Anderson's doing this year, and all you can do is keep riding it. In the bullpens, Gregory Soto came into a tie game in the ninth and was charged with the first five of seven runs the Rays scored. He gave up two hits and three walks in two-thirds of an inning to be tagged with those five runs. Ouch. Even when the Twins' pen pitches well, they can't quite do enough, I guess. Emilio Pagan went two-thirds of a scoreless inning. Cole Sands went three scoreless. And then Caleb Thielbar thought he had gone an inning in the third scoreless. But Whit Merrifield scored on a controversial call at the plate. Thielbar ended up taking the loss. He only got the chance to take that loss because Jimmy Garcia and Jordan Romano each gave up a run in the 8th and the ninth, respectively, for the Jays. Romano blew his fourth save of the year, but also got his fourth win in the process. Oh goodness, the Brewers' pen. I keep looking for clarity. And Taylor Rogers got the eighth in a tie game and gave up a run to put the Reds up two to one. The Brewers tied at bottom nine. We'll talk more about that in a moment. And then in the tenth, Devin Williams got the loss, giving up two unearned runs with a hit and a strikeout. There are two clear closer candidates. I still think Williams is the guy, but neither is really grabbing the job. As for the other pen in that one, Hunter Strickland gave up the ninth inning home run to Hira to tie it, blowing his fourth save. He now has a 6.02 ERA. He should probably be nowhere near saves, but Reds don't have a ton of options. One option they do have, Alexis Diaz went a scoreless eighth for the hold with three strikeouts and a walk. That left Ross Detweiler to lock down his first save of the year. Diaz really should be the guy, but who knows? I mentioned earlier that the Cards pen was better than the Yankees, but neither was any good, to be honest. Ryan Helsley did eventually get his 11th save, but even he gave up a home run in the process. Tanner Scott got his 15th save, striking out a couple of Cubs. Camilo Duvall gave up a hit and a walk, but got his 14th save. Mark Melanson, who was getting a break from closing, closed. He got his 15th save, but gave up a hit and two walks in the process. Suspect he's just part of the committee and not back in the job. Ian Kennedy seemed to have the closest shot to a job, and he wasn't available Sunday, so maybe that's all it was. I'm still not getting too excited about Melanson being back in the role. Paul Sewald locked down his 14th with a 1 2 3 9th, including a K. And Edwin Diaz struck out the side in order for his 26th save. That man is just good. Let's take a quick break here from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Welcome back. Let's talk a little bit about today's action. It's a short slate. If you're looking for streamers, though, I could see taking a shot on Tyler Beatty at Arizona. Keegan Thompson, if he's available, is an option as he gets the Nats, and the Nats are the Nats. If you're looking for bats to get in the lineup, I mentioned it earlier, but the Reds are really going to ask Justin Dunn, who has not handled AAA hitters, to handle the Mets. Yikes. I don't want any of my Mets on my bench. I'm also looking for a high-scoring affair in Baltimore with the Jays in town. I think both teams could put up some runs in that one. As for what I'll be watching, Alex Wood and Blake Snell are two guys I'm high on for the stretch run. Excited to see them head-to-head against solid competition. 
I think Snell will be solid. Wood, I don't know. I wouldn't start him against these Padres, but I'm very curious to see how he does. Make sure to check out the SP Roundup. I teased a couple of things that are in there, but there's more great content. The batter's box and reliever ranks also have some great information for you. With that, I'll turn you over to the rest of the team for the week. I'll be back with you on Friday. Hope you have a good one. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.